Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Jay Farrow. Jay is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information and Technology Officer of Clario, a clinical trials organization that fuses deep scientific expertise and global scale into the broadest endpoint technology platform. Jay has a rich history as a technology executive, having been the CIO of QuickCrete, ExamWorks, where he was also the CTO, Earthlink, where he was also the Chief Product Officer, the American Cancer Society, AdCare Health Systems, and AIG. Jay's also among the most social CIOs in the world, as judged by his 20,000 followers on LinkedIn, is nearly 12,000 more on Twitter, and he's also a two-time winner of the Georgia CIO of the Year Award, given by Inspire CIO. Jay, welcome back to Technovation. It's always wonderful to speak with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. What an intro, uh, Peter. It's great to see you. Thanks for having me. And all that means is uh, I've been around for a while, but uh, <laughs> it's great, great to be with you once again, my friend. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Been looking forward to this conversation. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Cisco, and the company's Senior Vice President and General Manager of Global Customer Experience, Thamaya Subaya. As customer expectations evolve, Thamaya wanted to take a moment to share how companies can stay ahead of these shifting expectations and make informed decisions on the future of work. Thamaya, over to you. Hello, everyone. This is Thamaya Subaya, SVP and GM of Global Customer Experience for Cisco. Businesses have had to make a dramatic shift to align to the rise in customer expectations, especially in this new hybrid work landscape. Work is a product of people, technology, and places and our perception of the future of work is constantly being reshaped. Cisco CX helps you make those informed decisions as customer experience continues to evolve. And hybrid work helps you support that evolution. It's here and it's here to stay. Just search for Cisco CX to learn more. And now on to our broadcast. Well, Jay, let's talk a bit more about Clario. I provided just a, a, a small thumbnail sketches to the business that you're in, but provide a little more of one, if you would, especially for those who may be less familiar with the business. You know, you did a really nice job of, of summing it up, though, in a, in a snapshot. So clearly you did your research, which is great. Look, I mean, I, I think even since the dawn of COVID a couple of years ago, clinical trials are, are front and center. And I think our minds, given the, the vaccines, et cetera, and they play even, you know, much going back much further, they play a, an integral role in uh, the world's health and in, in livelihood and um, all of that. So, it, you know, it's an exciting space to be in. It's vibrant. Technology is changing at a much faster clip. We we take endpoint data um, from various modalities, various technologies, and we fuse, and you did a nice job of summing it up, our medical technology and scientific expertise to ensure that clinical trials run smoothly, whether they're on site, decentralized, hybrid. As you would imagine, in the last couple of years, there's been a huge focus, Peter, on not just work from home, but decentralized or hybrid clinical trials, given that people don't have access to a, a site where normally maybe they would go in and have vitals read or get their heart rate measured or, or breathe into a device or, or fill out a survey. Certainly what the pandemic has taught us is new ways of working. And uh, Clario has been very well positioned being a leader in decentralized trials where we can offer those solutions globally uh, and, and continue the, the machine of clinical trials. We feel we play an integral role in uh, the patient experience. Uh, we play an integral role in saving lives or transforming lives around the world. 
And I want people to know at Clario on my team and even outside of my team that we're on a mission. And that sounds very much perhaps, Peter, hearkening back to my American Cancer Society days. Uh, but it's, you know, to me, uh, I, I believe that companies are better when they, you know, you rally around a mission. And our mission is to, to pursue and the richest clinical evidence, the highest level of quality. We want to be a partner of choice. Certainly, we want to uh, be committed to innovation in the future of clinical trials, but we want to transform lives as a result of doing all of that. So that's what excites me is that we play an integral role. And if we do our job right, the world is, is fueled with uh, better therapeutics, uh, ideally in better living. That's a great overview. Thank you for that, Jay. Um, I, I mentioned at the outset, you're the CIO and CTO. Uh, you've been with the company just shy of two years. Uh, it was six months in that you added the CTO role to the CIO role. And so you've got a, a broad uh, a swath of responsibilities associated with technology. Uh, talk a bit about the, the construct of your role, if you would, and the two different sides of, of it uh, and what that constitutes, please. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the line is probably pretty much what you would have expected. It was a much harder line when I took over the CTO role than it is today where we've merged a good bit. The CIO role was more uh, your traditional data center, cloud, compute, customer service, service desk, security, corporate systems, et cetera, where the CTO role, as you would have guessed, what's left over, data and analytics, product development or engineering, uh, enterprise architecture, uh, PMO governance, et cetera. Uh, since then, we've fused them. Yes, there are, of course, still job roles. In the past, at least within the Clario or the legacy ERT organization, they were led by different people, and they were two completely disparate organizations. And what that did is it created, I believe, an artificial construct that really didn't need to be there. Um, now, that does, that does not mean every company needs to have a CIO and a CTO under one leader. It's just given the history and, and given the speed at which we were moving, it made sense, at least the CEO felt it made sense to combine the organization under one leader with one cultural change agenda, one style of leadership, et cetera. So uh, we've seen great success in our speed of delivery, the quality of our delivery, uh, the collaboration the single source of truth, et cetera. Certainly it's easier for the CEO with one throat to choke, but um, you know, there, there's no internal constraint anymore of, well, that's an R&D or CTO thing, not a CIO thing. It's simply a technology thing. So there's been a, a little bit of an internal rebranding as well with Clario technology uh, that we're just at the beginning of. So uh, yeah, that's, and I think at the end of the day, Peter, what probably happened is I drew the short straw and I got to wear, uh, I got to wear both hats. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. You know, I, I love what we do uh, as an organization. I, I love my team. They're, they're very passionate about what they do. And in watching the collaboration form with organizations that were just uh, siloed for no real reason. Now, again, I've been in companies where the CIO and the CTO certainly have worked together quite nicely and they're, that's fine. In, in this particular case, it, it sped up our integration and our overall transformation to have them report up to one leader. Yeah, it's interesting. And I know from our past, recent past conversation, you described the CTO role and you, you alluded to it a, a moment ago as getting much more involved in R&D as well. And you talked yeah. with a special focus on the R of the R&D, the research aspect <laughs> of this. And yeah, yeah, more D than R, but it, it's... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, uh, in other companies, perhaps it's called software development, engineering, application development, product yeah. development. Yeah. In in very close partnership with my product management colleagues and our our PNL leaders, et cetera, certainly under the guidance of our CEO. I love it. I, I love the fact that we play an integral role. My organization plays an integral role to, in, in the technology solutions that we deliver. Of course, you get the bad with the good, right? You, you're you accountable for it. You have the authority over it, but you also have the accountability over it. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, we've grown through acquisition. We have a lot of solutions. We want to bring a top shelf customer experience. And in our vernacular, that customer really falls into probably four general buckets, Peter. It's the site where you're dealing with the site running a trial. Uh, a sponsor certainly could be a CRO or a, a, a pharma organization. Certainly patient has to be paramount, right? The patient experience. These are people that have volunteered to go through clinical trials. And the last thing you want to do is burden them with cumbersome technology, whether it's a a device or a, a software platform, an app or whatever. And you certainly want that to be as, as easy to use as, uh, as it can be to remove that friction as they go through the, the trial process. And then the fourth would be just internal customers, right? I think it's always uh, as important to make sure that you don't forget your internal customers. We sometimes get enamored with all the outside facing stuff and the cobbler's children has no shoes, right? They're you're, they're dealing with rubbing rocks together to generate a, a fire. And uh, I always want to keep an eye on our internal customer experience uh, as well. Well, that's an interesting multi-headed customer that you're referring to. And the fact that you need to contemplate customer experience more holistically, I find really interesting. Maybe we uh, dial into that a little bit further, if you don't mind, Jay. So site, sponsor, patient, internal customers, your colleagues uh, across Clario. How do you think about those the, 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 the similarities and differences across those constituent groups? And, and how do you engage with each of them to have a better understanding as to what good looks like, not only from your own sort of hypotheses, but, but drawing from them uh, as well? Well, first of all, you got to listen and put yourself in their shoes. And, and you, you've probably heard me say this many times, you have to eat your own cooking. Yeah. Um, so obviously putting the tools in the hands of the, uh, the technology organization to make sure they understand day in the life, whether that means using all of the tools, but more importantly, getting out to the front lines, you know, getting to a site, talking to site folks at a site, talk to people who are running a trial, interact with patients, see what your competitors are doing. Um, I think many of the, the the choices that we make, though, are somewhat no-brainers. I, I think sometimes we wait as technologists. It's a bit of a throwback comment that I'm about to make, Peter, but I'm sure you've heard it many times. We've got to gather the requirements, and we can't gather the requirements if we don't have X. And it's this very old waterfall kind of thinking. I, I think many times technologists, they know 80% of the answer you know 10 logins isn't as good as one. You know that a clunky interface that requires a very old operating system probably isn't going to be perceived as best in class. You know forcing a patient to have three devices in six logins isn't an ideal user experience. So there are things that you can do if you just put your common sense hat on right out of the gate to begin to work toward those things. And I try to remind my team all the time 
And, and um, I have such a good relationship with our product management folks, and we have terrific leaders in, in that group. I try to remind them all the time that, look, our patients, our sites and our sponsors, their bar is what yours are as a consumer, right? When you pop open the Chipotle app, the Walmart app, the Target app, the Uber, the Lyft of the world, all of these things which are quite well done, the Bank of America or Delta apps, which are have won awards in their particular spaces, why have they won awards? Because they're easy to use and they, they anticipate needs. They're very well done. They're updated frequently. They put the customer, they put you front and center. Those concepts are not foreign or unique to just them. They're, they're unique to really everything. And that's the bar our patients have when they go about their business that has nothing to do with the clinical trial. So I want that, that kind of maniacal focus on removing friction and not waiting to be blessed or knighted and say, you know what, we're going to review this constantly. And, and I know you're familiar with this term, but create a flywheel of, of removing friction where it's just this continual improvement where we're challenging ourselves. Could this be faster? Could this be more stable? Could this be you know, more easy to use? Are we listening and, and uh, feeding that back constantly? So um, we're getting there. We're not quite where I would want to be yet. Uh, certainly, we have a lot of work ahead of us, uh, but we're building that culture. Yeah, really interesting overview of that. You know, another thing that, that you shared with me was it's an organization that has grown through acquisition. I think you said it's 30 some acquisitions that have primarily made up what is now Clario. And uh, I know yours is a role that cuts across those uh, different parts of the organization and in many ways um, helps form the glue across it as well. Talk a bit about some of the work that you and the team are doing uh, to find those, those commonalities or, or uh, you know, pockets of excellence that, that are candidates for centers of excellence and, and these sorts of things that you might, might undertake. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So we are a company of companies. And most recently, we're a company that used to be ERT and uh, Bioclinica, and we merged to become Clario in our minds. And certainly, uh, I think we, we stand up to uh, any kind of scrutiny as we've created the broadest endpoint technology uh, platform or organization in the, in the world due to our breadth and depth and our scientific expertise. But along with that, in growing that way, becomes a lot of whether it's tech debt, process debt, siloed thinking, uh, et cetera. And I think we've done a very nice job over the last, in, in my 18 months, right under two years now, we've done a very nice job in knocking those walls down and, 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 and not only just removing barriers in, in consolidating systems or departments, which is just really kind of the beginning of it, but creating a Clario way, right? And it sometimes isn't about picking the best. It's about maybe creating the best and saying, well, look, whether legacy ERT did it better or, or Bioclinica, let's identify very quickly who's doing it better or which organization did it better. And maybe use that as a bit of a baseline or a, a template, but then really take a step back and ask ourselves, but if we were going to wave a magic wand, and, and I know you know me well enough to know where I'm going with this, but... I'm a big fan of North Stars, and I don't like constrained thinking of our only reference points are the companies that we grew up in. And forget all that. I know money, time, all of these things were bound by the laws of physics. But if we weren't, what would it look like? And this could be anything as simple as a procurement process, a project prioritization process. It could be 
you know, an SDLC, it could be your DevOps and your engineering things, it could be an internal app, it could be BI, uh, it could be a customer portal, all of these things. What should this look like? What is best of breed? And, 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 and start with that in mind and then look to see what you have already. Where am I closest to that and what can I build on and leverage? And then as important as all of that is, what can I quickly sunset and say no to that simplifies our thinking where you say, okay, we've universally made a choice to go with process or technology X. That means we relentlessly and maniacally sunset Y, Z, A, B, Z, whatever it is along the way as quickly as possible, whether that means multiple ERPs, whether that means multiple customer portals, that could be something as simple as just data center, not simple, of course, but conceptually, uh, data center consolidation, et cetera, plan it, and then be maniacal about reducing because otherwise it just ages very poorly. It's it's like milk, not wine. And, and uh, we were talking about Italy off camera a little bit, some fine wine over there in uh, in Italy. Not like milk, which ages very poorly. <laughs> and technical debt ages poorly, not like good wine. So, you know, it, it's it, it's it's been done in partnership with my, you know, my non-technology colleagues, certainly product and the CFO and uh, the chief marketing officer, our chief commercial officer, et cetera, um, making sure they understand, um, you know, the burn off of some of these. And by the way, they're very hungry for that simplification as well. Because quite frankly, when you take together multiple customer service organizations, multiple operations groups, uh, and you, you you slap them together, you bring them together, and they have all have their legacy technical debt or ways of working. And it's not always just about like the apps, but it's just the constraints that they have. They use different ticketing systems. They have different processes. Um, showing them that they have a partner in technology who is a relentless in the pursuit of simplification as they are. Uh, is key. Great, uh, great topics there. And I really love that you, you, the whole idea of as you're introducing the new, you're you're ever thinking about what you are then eliminating uh, so that you are not just adding, you know, adding complexity as you're adding new innovations for the organization as well. You right. know, you, you alluded, Jay, at the outset that, you know, this has been a remarkable time for your industry and for your company. And I, I know you've um, spoken about how uh, the, the the pace of throughput has been remarkable through COVID, through the pandemic, through remote work, and a variety of, of new ways of working that we've all experienced in now two plus years uh, in the grip of this pandemic. I yeah. wonder your own perspectives on the sustainability of that pace um, and what sorts of things leaders need to do to ensure that on the one hand, uh, we're not giving up some of the great advantages that we've gotten while also recognizing that there's a cost at times um, to, to simply focusing on speed as one of the critical uh, metrics to determine success or lack thereof. What, what are your thoughts, Jay? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think you summed it up nicely. I think we've learned a lot of things. I think even in companies that perhaps are a bit older in their thinking, and I'm not really thinking of anything, but even in industries that were perhaps considered stodgier or slower to adopt new ways of working, it was a wake-up call that, hey, this actually worked out pretty well. People were still very engaged. They're still very dedicated. We're still getting things done. The business continued and people still thrived and delivered. So I think there's some tremendous advantages. And we've seen such a huge acceleration of digital transformation over the last couple of years. In some cases, companies were prepared. In other cases, they weren't. And they're they're catching up you know, very quickly because the pandemic shone a light on where perhaps they had gaps. I think the fear that I have 
um, as we settle down into likely what will be a hybrid mode where uh, what I'm very excited about is I can look for talent anywhere. Um, you build around hubs, perhaps, or you build around centers of excellence, whether they be virtual or physical. And, and it doesn't matter where the talent is. You've heard me say, and I've said many times, look, if I have a good developer or a good architect or a good engineer, I don't care if they're on the moon. In that case, I hope they have air and food. But I also want them to have a good internet connection, a great attitude. They want to be part of the team. But look, you know, can you give them an experience? Can you give them an experience? We, we try to create, and we're not unique in this, but Clario wants to be a destination employer where people, you know, where we can attract talent because A, we have meaningful work. B, we give them a career path. They, they come into a positive, vibrant, uh, fast-moving, terrific technology, but they're building things that are impactful to society. There's a lot of great things that we can sell. Certainly, comp can being competitive or all those things have to have to be there. But we have to guard against burnout. And, and, and I think with so many companies, and this is not a, a great revelation, but in this 24-7, 365, always culture that we're on, you have to just intentionally respect PTO, burnout, off hours. Look, we're IT people, we're technologists. We know since time began, we were working crazy hours, right? You're working, you're implementing things over the weekend at night. I remember many days in the 90s and the early 2000s sleeping in a conference room as you're doing an ERP go live and you're doing a cutover and you're doing validation. We all did it back in the day. Look, the lines are blurred. And what I don't want is I don't want to lose people because they think that I think they're on 24-7, 365. So absolutely making sure that the you respect the boundaries and you love the whole employee, not just assuming they're working 24-7 like a drone uh, or like a Terminator unit, that you love their whole employee. I love seeing kids run across camera. I love hearing dogs barking. I, look, it's it's the world we live in now, but you you ne you'd never tell people to apologize. Don't apologize. That's the real life. I want, I want to know all of Peter High, not just the work Peter High. And and you got to start thinking that way because otherwise you're going to lose people. And um, I find when you when you show them that respect and somebody checks into a conference call or a, a you know a status meeting or something and you know they're on PTO, call them out. And I've I've said this many times. I'm like, what are you doing on this call? Well, you know the kids are. Turn the nope. Um, don't make me kick you out of this conference room, embarrass you in front of everybody. Turn it off. The work will be here when you get back. Go enjoy your family. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's look, I, I think there's more good than bad that has come along with it. Um, but we've got to guard against the bad. Mm -hmm. well, well said. Very well said. Jay, I also wanted to ask you about a special relationship of yours that with Joe Ezer, who, if I recall correctly, you've been a colleague of now three times over. He was until recently the chief executive officer of Clario. He's still on the board of the organization and a longtime collaborator of yours. Talk a bit about that relationship and the bond that you've forged now across multiple times working together, if you would. You know, it's just, I think it's a chemistry and a trust issue. Uh, I liked Joe the minute I met him. And what I love about him is he trusts me. I trust him. And he let me do my thing. Uh, he was a trust but verify kind of guy and certainly would, you know, would investigate what's important and drill in where needed. And and when you have a partner, I never felt like I, I reported to him, though it was clear I did. I felt like I was a, 
a colleague right out of the gate where I was a trusted advisor and um, but never too far where it's like, I don't know, that's an IT thing. Pharaoh, what do you got? It, it, it was just a more of a partnership. And, and I think that kind of relationship, particularly with the role of the CIO or the CTO, is not as common as we would like. We would like that. The CFOs, I think, by default tend to have that. Perhaps the heads of HR or the chief marketing officer, or the, the head of commercial tends to have that. I think historically, although it is improving dramatically, the role of the CIO, CTO wasn't as inherently close to the CEO as perhaps it is today. And so when you have that, you have an opportunity to work with somebody that you genuinely like, you like their vision, you like what they're about. Uh, you know, you, you you definitely listen each time. I, I guess he didn't learn from his other prior mistakes. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it, it was, you know, it was a, it was a pleasure. It always a pleasure to get a phone call from in Joe to get a chance to work with him and solve some problems again. That's really interesting. What a, what a special relationship, I'm sure. Well, I wanted to also, you and I have spoken about this before, but I wanted to reiterate the and, and, and mine the topic again. I mentioned at the outset the fact that you're a social uh, chief information officer, chief technology officer. You're somebody who has long believed in and participated in social media and draw a lot of value as you also, and I can validate this as being on the other end of your, uh, your social media presence, delivered a lot of value to those who are part of it. I wonder how your thought process has evolved and the value you know today that you draw from it different from or perhaps similar to uh, the early stages of your investment in in social media channels. Why do you continue to spend time on it, um, you know engage with uh, your your ecosystem uh, and, and how, if at all, has that changed uh, in the past several years? If anything, it's reinforced. What time has done, Peter, it's reinforced how important it is to me. Now, again, it's not for everybody, and I appreciate that. People have, we all get the same 24 hours, and they may choose to invest their time, talent, and treasure in other areas, and that's fine. Uh, I get a lot of value from it uh, for, for many reasons. One, everybody on this planet knows something that I don't. In fact, everybody on this planet probably knows a million things that I don't. Uh, and they're probably better at what they do than I am. But <laughs> be that as it may. Uh, I love learning. I, I, I love helping others. I love mentoring. I love being mentored. Uh, I, I love the fact that I can build friendships like ours. And I think about so many of the other friendships that I have all around the globe that were initiated and then continue to be fostered by social media. And when you meet in person, it's two truly friends that are coming together. It's not like friends. You are friends. And so these deep connections, this uh, deep learning uh, just even today in 2022 continues to just make me smile. So I, I I definitely make make time to do it, and I encourage other CIOs and CTOs um, who sometimes perhaps we put blockers in front of us, like nobody would want to hear from me. We have this aw shucks, gee whiz, I'm just the CIO kind of thing. I don't really have a voice, or you know, look, there are people stepping in it every single day who are on the front lines doing what you're doing. And the fact that at the very least you can commiserate and share war stories, but chances are you can find solutions to challenges that you have, build a friendship, have somebody to see when you visit another market and grab coffee like you and I have done many, many times over the years. And uh, 
I, I love it. I, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it makes me giggle. It makes me laugh. I don't, I don't probably shouldn't use the word giggle, but uh, it actually still, there's a coolness to it that I can build relationships with people around the globe uh, just through Twitter or LinkedIn and that somebody actually gives a crap about what I have to say, but I have recruited talent through it. I have built friendships. I have learned far more than I have taught. I have built lifelong relationships. So I continue to make it a, a priority. That's a great overview. Thank you, Fritz. It's great to understand somebody who is uh, as the breadth and depth of experience you have with it to understand the how you you continue to draw value from it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, the one thing I'll add, Peter, is that yeah. look, even if you don't, you're not a softy, and you're like, gosh, you know, this seems painful to me. I would argue, try it, get it out there. It because it builds momentum over time, and even if it's not your thing, there actually is a reward for doing it. The, the name recognition, certainly when it comes to board presence. If people are looking for a CIO to join their board, you you tend to, if, if you're a, a more well-known CIO or CTO or head of technology, you have a voice, you're known for something, you're better networked, much higher likelihood that your name pops up for perhaps a job, an interview, a board position, whatever. And, and it can be richly rewarding that way if you don't care about maybe the more human element of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all, all good advice, certainly. Yep. I wanted, yep. Jay, to ask you also about uh, trends that excite you as you look to the future. We've noted a few of them, um, especially those pertaining to your business, of course, which is itself riding a number of very important trends and helping drive some of those as well. As you look to the future, what are some additional items that are making their way onto your roadmap and, and uh, have you excited? Well, in our bit, you know, you, you can't go to a pharma conference or a clinical trial conference, excuse me, and not talk about the concept of decentralized trials. Um, you know, we we have a platform called Trial Anywhere and a number of other technologies that we use to to fuel that, and we continue to innovate in that in that area. But like any other industry, you want to go to where your customers are, right? You want to meet them where they are, and the, the whole notion that you can run a clinical trial through a combination of at home, remote, BYOD, uh, site, et cetera. It, it's, it's not an if it's coming, it's here and it, it's gonna continue to build momentum. So that excites me uh, for many reasons. One, I think it's gonna speed up uh, access to clinical trials or broaden access to clinical trials. I think it's gonna allow outreach to a, a much more diverse slate of clinical trial participant diversity, as you would imagine. It's not just important uh, on the employer side, but in what we do in the clinical trials, uh, diversity in your, in your participant or patient pool is absolutely paramount. So you're getting the richest and broadest set of evidence uh, for a therapeutic or for uh, a trial. Uh, so I think these technologies, whether it's you know mobile technology, remote video technology, um, remote sensors, wearables, whatever the technology is that supports that, uh, it has a huge multiplier effect. The other one is AI. Um, I know we've talked about AI now for years and years. And um, I remember, you know, days uh, in the past where the closest we got to AI, real meaningful AI was uh, playing chess with uh, a certain big blue organization and uh, or perhaps talking to Bob Dylan and <laughs> having a conversation on a commercial. Uh, but I believe, and obviously you know this as well, if not better than I do, we're, we're, we're beginning to see the fruits of our labor. And I think AI uh, certainly has and will continue to play a meaningful role in the clinical trial space. Uh, I'm of the opinion that it's a supplement to 
the 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 scientific expertise that exists. It's sub it's a supplement to the human element. Uh, it's not a replacement of. But I think what it does is it empowers the human element in the clinical trial space and has the potential to remove error, um, improve speed, improve quality, et cetera. So I'm very bullish on what AI is doing for us and what it'll continue to do in the future. Great observations and great topics raised there. Appreciate you noting each of those. I, I, Jay, I also wanted to ask you, as somebody I know to be very kind of deep in your thoughts and very reflective you know, as you think across your career, I mentioned uh, multiple times over a CIO or CTO, a chief product officer, a chief in many different uh, forms. What have been some of the difference makers for you along the way uh, that have, have uh, you know, led to your success and the heights that you have reached? Uh, what, what are some things, and especially the extent to which it might be something that you would offer as advice to others who might wish to walk in your footsteps? I'd be interested in maybe a, a couple or three different items that uh, that come to mind? Well, absolutely. First of all, I, I, I think finding mentors and being a mentor are absolutely paramount. I learn as much from my mentees as, as uh, if not more, than they, they certainly learn from me. And I think when we talk about the concept of a mentor, you think this one person owns everything that uh, there is to do. There's this paragon of being a CIO or CTO or senior executive. And rarely is that the case, although I'm sure it does happen. Um, but you're, there's aspects of their personal portfolio that you want to emulate or, or unpack. Perhaps they're a good public speaker. Perhaps they're able to crystallize their thoughts quite rapidly and present in a very compact way, complex ideas. Those are things that you can hook onto. And, and I always encourage people, find people, buy a cup of coffee, meet for breakfast, have a lunch, have a Zoom, whatever it is. And don't be afraid to, to, to set up that relationship. And you don't have to over-science it and turn it into a monthly thing. It could be a one-off occasionally. I have found that 99.9% .9 of the time when you ask somebody, hey, I really enjoy the way you did that. Uh, they're flattered. They don't even think they're that good at it, but they're more than willing to, to share their time uh, and, and their talent and their experiences with you, number one. Uh, number two, put yourself out there, whether that means on social media, taking that stretch role, getting into an area. I mean, below, look, I, I, I think there's a reason that men probably have a shorter lifespan than women. You know, our famous last words are hold my beer or Hey, watch this, and we jump off, and then you never hear from us again. I, 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 I think most of my roles have been stretch roles, whether because it was in a domain that I didn't have a ton of expertise. Maybe it was a a function where I had a, a limited amount. Um, as Richard Branson has said, if you don't think you can do it, take it and figure it out. Uh, take the role and figure it out. I, I'm of that school. I mean, if you've got 60, 70 percent jump. And, and build your soft skills, the hard skills you'll learn very, very quickly. Uh, number three would be, you know, live to fight another day. And I know you've heard me say this, it has served me very, very well. I think technologists have a propensity to think very binary, it, it is or it isn't. Uh, it's a one or a zero. My handbook says there's three, I need three. And I need all these very clear answers, you know, as well as I do, that the higher up you climb uh, in an organization, the more you have to operate in the gray and make decisions based on limited in, limited information. And the better you get at that, and the better you learn how to come in, I needed three things, I got two, 
I'm not going to die on the hill of, of the third one. I'm going to go execute the two that I got to the best of my ability, earn my seat, and then come back and get the three. And it's a whole, it's a whole lot easier to come back from a position of strength than it is to go in and just be that that clanging bell that just doesn't kind of seem to be able to read the room. I, I think learning that earlier in your career is super helpful because in your 20s and 30s, you tend to you know think a bit more black and white and you see the world's best CIOs, CEOs, CFOs, et cetera, uh, have learned to operate uh, in the gray quite well. well. All good advice. Thank you so much for those, those reflections, Jay, on some of the items that have been difference makers for you along the way. Well, Jay, Jay Farrow, um, always a pleasure to speak with you. I greatly appreciate you sharing uh, the the, the, the breadth of your experience, the specifics of that experience in your current roles uh, at Clario, some of what you're seeing in terms of what the future might hold in a business like yours and in technology, more generally speaking. Uh, we spoke about the importance of connection and ecosystems. I feel blessed you're part of mine and that I'm part of yours. So thank you so much. I feel the same, Peter. You're a good friend and I appreciate seeing you again. And I'll look forward to seeing you again in person sometime soon. I'm looking forward to it as well.